1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I'm going to read that one again for just a moment. I exert, exhort, therefore, that first of all, if I say first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. It's neat the way this brings out prayer first because it influences and prepares us to follow what God is wanting us to live after. Lord, we're thankful for the word of the Lord tonight. We thank you for what you've laid on my heart. And Lord, I just pray, help me tonight to deliver your word, to teach the principles and the ways that we can build upon our prayer life. God, we want to grow in prayer because we want to grow in you, God. You give us such a gift and such a privilege to be able to call on your name, to know that we can get in tune with God, that we can access all power in heaven God, that you have, and God, we just pray tonight, help us to grow, and I pray, help me deliver this message, help us receive it, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated, praise God. Tonight, our lesson is expanding our prayer life. Say it with me, expanding our prayer life, that's growing our prayer life, if you will. And so tonight, as we continue our journey on rebuilding and unleashing the power of prayer, we want to expand our prayer life. Now, when we start school, we're in the first grade. I'm not indicating anybody's in the first grade now. Just only using this as an illustration. But as we go to second grade, third, fourth, we hit junior high. It's a different world. Then we go a little further. We had high school, and it's really a different world. And so... A person is expanding their knowledge. They don't stay where they were at in the first grade, and they don't stay where they were at in the seventh grade or the ninth grade. And so I'm using that as an example tonight. We want to expand our prayer life. We don't want to start. We don't want to stay where we started at. We don't remain where we've been for 10 years, but we want to expand that. And so in order to do that, there is a guide that I have put together today, Lord, he didn't wake me up, the alarm clock did, but as soon as I woke up, he began to talk with me, and I had to get up and start putting notes together real quick, and uh, I'm thankful for that, but that tells me God is really wanting us to grow and expand the prayer, our personal prayer life and the prayer life of our church. Can I get a good witness tonight? And so in this journey of building our, rebuilding and expanding our prayer life, we're going to cover Ten elements tonight of expanding our prayer life. Now, let me put a disclaimer there. This isn't all that we're going to pray for that we need to pray for. We've already covered several of those things and handed out prayer, guys. But these are ten elements that are vital to include in our prayer life. Now, with the prayer, guys, that you've already received, I know that you and I, are not going to take all those prayer guys and pray those every day. Time would probably not allow that with most people's schedules. But we can rotate out these prayer guides and make sure we cover these things on a regular basis. Because we don't want to just stick to just a list only. So we want to expand that, oh, praise God. So the first thing we're going to talk about in the or the first element and this is going to be more of teaching. I like to preach, but this is going to be teaching tonight. A lot of scriptures to cover, so I've got to get after it. The first one is relational prayer. Everybody say relational prayer. Now, this is talking about our personal. But, Sam, if you get these two brethren a prayer guide, thank you. Amen. 
Let's give our guests a warm welcome. Thank everybody for being with us tonight. And so the first element that we're going to talk about is our, it's called, I call it relationship prayer. This is our prayer life where we spend in a relationship with God. Now, we, we understand that our relationship with God is of the utmost importance. Amen? That we want to grow in our relationship. We want to get close to God. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to thee. Prayer is the best way to begin to draw closer to God. And through that, God draws closer to us. That's a promise in his word. And so in our relationship is where we spend time loving God, adoring the Lord, praising him, and spending quality time communicating with God before we begin to ask anything. Amen? A relationship prayer is about just that. I love you, Lord. I want to grow in you, God. Help me overcome my idiosyncrasies. Help me to overcome my faults and my flaws and my downsettings. Help us grow and to be closer to you and to be the person you want us to be. I'm just giving you an idea. I'm not putting words in your mouth. You'll pray those on your own. But this is where we spend time loving God, wanting to draw closer to God, and that is what is called a relationship prayer element. And we find that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, the very first church that the letter was written to, the angel, uh, the pastor of Ephesus, this is something very critical, and I'll let you read it. It's Revelation 2, 1 through 5, and I'm going to give you the main parts of that. But as the letter was written, there was an admonishment for all the good of that church, and it was a good church. But then as you read further... In verse 4, after all the accolades and all the admonitions that the Lord had for this church, they they were doing great things. They were a great church. But he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They were doing all good things in the church, but somehow they had came off focus of a vital and important area And that first love was the relationship with God. Hello? That's why the Lord looked at Mary, uh, Martha rather, when she was upset because Mary wasn't helping her cook the meal, set the dishes and prepare the house. And she'd got focused on the work and got upset because Mary wasn't helping her. So she went to the Lord and, and wanted him to reprimand Mary. And Mary was at his feet worshiping. Amen? And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about many things. But Mary hath chosen the good part. And so while we want to work for God, we don't want to miss our relationship with God. In fact, if we, and we need to work for the Lord, don't, get, don't mistake me. But if the most important thing is if we work for the Lord but we don't have our relationship with God, we're going to lose the the real motives of what we're working for. But it's the relationship with God. And so he goes on to say in that scripture how important he is. He said, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. It was so important the Lord knew, if you're not going to keep this relationship, it's going to go south. And so I use that scripture tonight because this emphasizes not only the importance of our relationship, but we know that only way we're going to have a strong relationship with God is to pray about our relationship. I don't know about you, but I need help. I need to be reminded. I need to pray, God, help my relationship. Help us to have a love for you. Help our love to grow for you. Help our desire uh, to draw close to you. It's not in our carnal nature to do that. So we need your help. So we're praying about our relationship with God, and it's very, very important. And then I'm going to give you one story and move on to the next area. Cornelius, if you haven't read about Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, I encourage you to go home and read the whole chapter of Acts chapter 10. But here was a 
religious man, a devout man, a man who prayed, a man who fasted, a man who gave faithfully. Amen? But he was visited by an angel. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? An angel, read it. An angel showed up and began to visit him. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Carneas. When he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? He said, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. This quickened in my spirit this morning, and God wanted me to tell us tonight, keep on praying. Don't stop praying because you're building a memorial before God. You're building a memorial of prayer that God said they're faithful, they're consistent. I'm not letting it go without being noticed. It's not just a prayer today that's gone tomorrow, but it's building on something, and it's building a memorial that God is going to honor. But that was his personal prayer that brought the angel. Because his prayers had to be because of what the, uh, the agenda was of the angel was for his salvation. So this was a personal relationship prayer. And the Lord tells him to go down to Simon the Tanner's house that, that Peter's there and that Peter would tell him what he ought to do to be saved. Woo! But it all came out of a relationship prayer. I'm telling you, there's no telling what will come out of a relationship prayer when we're not just asking for things or wanting God to take care of certain things or give us our to-do list, but when we're just praying, God, I want you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to know you more. When we're praying about the spiritual things and and the personal relationship with God. Now, the second, because I have to move because of the sake of time in covering this tonight, and you have that prayer guide, and it is a tool for you to look through and to follow. Amen. I pray that you will take these prayer guides and do just that because they will serve you. I've gotten some testimonies already from people who say, you know what, I was struggling with my prayer life. I pray in very long at all, but since these guides, I'm able to pray much longer because there's focused prayer. And that's what they're for, praise God. Our next element of expanding our prayer life, and I'm not indicating you're not doing any of these. I'm just saying if you're not already doing these, we're going to emphasize the importance of these, and you can add those if you haven't. Amen. Is a petitional prayer. A petitional prayer is where this is mostly we're asking God to help us. Okay, we're lifting our petitions. Let our requests be made known unto God, according to Philippians 4 and 6. And so this is an open door. God said, you're not bugging me. You're not pestering me. I give you an open door every day to let your requests be made known to God. Isn't that awesome that we can let those requests be made known, that he hears our cries? He already knows our situations, but it's that communication that God wants. And he wants us to tell him. And so this covers our needs. Anybody have needs in your life? And this is a a diversity of need. It could be financial. It could be health. It could be family. It could be spiritual. It could be, and we all have all needs in these categories. But this is a petition that we send up to God on a regular basis. Don't be like the guy that says, well, I prayed it one time. God heard it. He's either going to answer it or he's not. So no need of me praying it anymore. That is not biblical. Hello? But what is biblical, we just keep praying it until God does it. That is exercising and evidence more of our faith if we keep praying when the answer hasn't come. That is a petition. That goes before the Lord. And we find in Scripture, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, and I won't go through all the Scriptures, but we find where there was this woman who had a need. And judges moved around like circuit judges and from city to city setting up their tents where they could cover the territory. And there was this woman who would show up with a specific need and requesting of the judge And he would deny her request. 
The only problem was she didn't know how to take no for an answer. It's right here in the Bible. And so everywhere he went, she petitioned him again. And the next time he set up tent, she petitioned. Can you imagine the effort made by this lady walking around, traveling from place to place? Wherever he set up tent, wherever he set up court, she was going to walk through the gates of that, uh, uh, the, the door of that tent. And here's my petition again. And finally, he got so irritated by her that the Bible says he didn't have regard for God. He didn't have regard for man. He didn't care about her. He didn't care about God. But he gave her her petition. Did you know that? Why? He said, because she's worried me to death. She wearies me. And God used that example. And he said, how much more will I avenge those who cry day and night? Now, that's not talking about just once every day, he said, those that are praying constantly and bringing their petitions before me, how much quicker will I avenge those? I will answer their petition. The Bible says, cast all your care upon him, for he careth for us. How do we do that? We do that in prayer. Oh, praise God. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. How do we do that? We communicate that. We ask. Oh, praise God. If I need something from Brother Carl, and I say, well, he knows I need it. Me, you know, he ain't blind. He's aware of it. But I'm not going to ask him. Would that make a lot of sense? Would that help me? Would that do anything? But if I go over there and say, Brother Carl, I, I really need this. Could you help me? And he would quickly say, well, yeah, here it is. It's that simple, folks. Ask. And I know that not everything we ask for do we get right then or even later, but that's where we trust God over all and we submit everything to His will. Amen. And we pray it according to His will because He knows whether we need it. We know whether He knows whether that's in His plan or not or when it's in His plan. And so we believe it. Our faith is there and we ask. Oh, hallelujah. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. That is through prayer. Praise God. Everybody say petitional prayer. Now, the third element, as you'll see on your guide tonight, is prayer of pursuit. Now, for lack of a better word, I'm just going to break it down like this. This is where we seek God. Seek God. Everybody say seek God. We seek His face. We seek Him for certain things that we have need of in our life. Now, let's, let's look at the Scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what does it say? But seek, there's that word seek, ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added. This is a prayer we need to pray. Lord, I want to seek you first in everything I do every day. That should be your prayers, that, Lord, you want to seek him first and his righteousness. We want to be right with God. I don't know about you, but I need to pray over that. I can't just do that easily because I'm in this thing called flesh, and this is why we submit this flesh to the Spirit, and we bring it under subjection, and we don't do that by command only, but we do that through prayer. And asking God. Now, let me, let me go. I'm going to use this as an illustration. How many of you would like to have wisdom? And God can give you wisdom, can't he? He can give us wisdom. But the Bible says, ask for it and believe. So if we want wisdom, we what? We pray and we say, God, I need wisdom, not for my benefit, but I need godly wisdom or divine wisdom to not only have it, but God help us use that wisdom for the benefit of the kingdom of God and working relationships with people, praise God. But we get this by asking. Everybody say asking. And that is prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, if they'll throw that on the screen. Appreciate our media team tonight. Give them a big hand. And you're familiar with it. If my people, who are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray and what? Seek my face. Seek. Now, I don't know. What, let me kind of explain what seeking is. And I think most of you know what that is. Seeking is you're searching. Diligently, there's no distractions. It's not a lay me down to sleep prayer. But God, I got to have a breakthrough. Lord, we got to have direction. We've got to have an answer here. God, we need your touch. We need your word. We need something to help us here. And God, it's not just a minor thing, but it's a major thing. God, I need a change in my life. God, I need whatever the needs are. We go before him and we seek him. Oh, praise God. So it is searching diligently for the Lord. Now let's go to Acts chapter 17 and verse 27. And it says, "They that they should seek the Lord. Everybody say seek. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him. Feel after the Lord. Come on. And the way we feel after the Lord, we're praying in the Spirit. We're praying and we're feeling after what God's saying, what God is, is directing us or nudging us to do. We want to be sensitive, so we're feeling after the Lord. You ever been in a dark place? You had to feel and find your way to a light switch or to a doorknob? You're, you're feeling for it. You can't see it, but you're feeling for it. Our feelings are involved in that. And this Scripture is teaching us to feel after the Lord, be sensitive, and and. Fine-tune our sensitivity to what he's saying, to what he's indicating, to what he's directing us. Oh, hallelujah. And find him. Everybody say, and find him. Watch this. God doesn't play hide-and-go-seek with us. It says this. Though he be not far from every one of us. You know, God's not far from us. He's not playing hide-and-seek. He's not making himself scarce or bouncing around in a room. But God wants us to reach for him. He's not going to invade our lives. He's not going to push the door open into our homes and our world. But he makes himself available and said, I am available. If you will seek after me and you will feel after me, then you will Find me because I'm not far. How many of you feel that oftentimes, God, I need to find you. I I need to touch you, God. I I need to feel after the Lord. And, Lord, it's you that I'm seeking for. It's not a blessing. It's it's not an answer over here. God, I just need you. If I can feel you, if I can hear from you, that's the number one thing I need right now in my life. And these are elements that we need to pray Because they assist us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. Don't, Don't stop seeking God if you didn't find him the first day. Don't stop reaching for the breakthrough if it didn't happen in the first hour. But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know what that says? They're serious about it. They're they're not just going through the motions. They're not just upset right now. But they're hungry from the heart to seek me and to touch me and to hear my voice and know my directions and know my will. Oh, praise God. Everybody say, seek the Lord. I'm telling you, I feel such an unction of the Holy Ghost tonight because God is reaching to pull us up to higher levels and to take us deeper in his word and his spirit. But it comes to a vehicle called prayer. God is raising the elements of prayer of this church because that's how we're going to see revival. That's how we're going to see a breakthrough. That's how we're going to reach our city. That's how conviction is going to fall. That's how the glory is going to come down. That's how we're going to know how to walk, how to talk, how to live for God, how to be better people. It's going to be through prayer because this flesh don't want anything to do with it. Woo! Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. See what the emphasis is on here diligently with all of our heart. God said, if you really want me, 
I'll make myself available to you. If you really want to hear my voice, you'll seek me and you'll find it. If you really want to see my hand, if you really want to see my face, I'm not talking about literally, but I'm talking about the glory of God. Come on, let's don't get satisfied living on the edge of God when the deep is calling to the deep. And God said, come on down. Come on, go deeper with me. Come on, go deeper in places with me. But we get there through prayer. He says, seek me diligently. Seek me with your whole heart. I believe God is doing this because he's preparing us. That, that God's already talking to us about this stuff. God's already nudging our spirit about this. Now he's giving us his word. and saying, now come on, get on board. Come along for the journey. I'll take you places. I'll take the church places. I've got plans for the church. I've got plans that I have ordained of many years ago. But now I'm going to bring you to that place that I can bring to fruition my divine will. Oh, Woo. Isn't God good? Now, oh, I told my wife, I said, the challenge of tonight's service is getting through this and completing it. That's why I'm trying to move on. Everybody say intercessory prayer. Now, in, now remember, petitional prayer is for us, asking for God's help. We need that. That's not selfish. We better pray it. But that can't be all that we pray. Intercessory prayer is for others. It's not for us. This is where we say, God, I want to be an instrument. This is where you say, God, I care about other people. You care about nations across this world and people you would never meet. You care about missionaries and their welfare and how effective they are and they stay encouraged. You care about the neighbor across the street who's going through a hard time and has lost a spouse or a child or their job and you care about somebody that don't realize what they're doing to their self and I could just go on and on. I hope you get the picture. So that is going to prayer and, and petitioning the Lord not for us but for them. Remember the woman who came to the Lord for her daughter who was vexed for the devil? She was interceding not for herself. Oh, she got benefits from it because that's her daughter. But she went in the stand and she went and she sought the Lord for her daughter. That's what intercessory prayer is. God says let's not focus on ourselves, but let's spread this thing. And while we're expanding our prayer life, let's make room to pray for a world that's dying, a world that is lost. It is in Isaiah, I believe it is, that says, I look for a man among them that will stand in the gap and build a hedge around house of Israel, but I found none. Oh, how sad and how tragic. God was looking for an intercessor, Brother Stanley. I wonder tonight in this congregation that God is looking for intercessors that'll pray over a city, that'll pray over families, that'll pray over nations, that'll pray over false doctrine doctrine and false religions across our world pray for our neighbors pray for somebody's hurting and we go not just a quick prayer to say we did it but we go to prayer praying over their needs that's intercessory prayer amen acts chapter 12 verse 3 through 5 this was when james was beheaded and because easter had came up they held up they had Peter in prison, and their intentions were to behead him also. It was serious business. The church could not afford to say, well, that's Peter. He got himself in that mess. I hope things work out for it. No, 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 no. The Bible teaches us a beautiful truth of intercession. And the Bible says because it... He saw it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring forth to the people. Watch this. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer. Would you say it with me? But prayer. It wasn't for themselves. It wasn't ordinary prayer. It wasn't praying for the ministries of the church. But I'll tell you what it 
was. It was praying in her. God, you got to deliver Peter. God, put angels about him. God, do whatever you got to do, but don't let them kill him. God, we need the work of God. We need intervention. God, we intercede on behalf of Peter. And guess what? That prayer was made without ceasing of the church under God. And all of a sudden, angels showed up. All of a sudden, doors swung wide open. All of a sudden, chains and fetters fell off. All of a sudden, Peter walked out on his own accord. And it wasn't nothing but the hand of a praying church that sent angels in, that unloosed the power of God. And they were interceding, not for their self. They could have been eating a meal. They could have been fellowshipping somewhere and hoping things would work out. But they didn't. They took a personal responsibility. And they went to prayer. And they prayed. You tell me how much difference intercessory prayer makes. Go ask Peter because he was destined to do a work for the kingdom of God. But his life could have ended in that old jail cell. And his head could have been amputated. But guess what? The church prayed. And the church prayed. I'm telling you, the praying church makes a difference. Pray. That's why the devil don't want us to pray. That's why he don't want prayer meetings going on. That's why he don't want people coming early for church to pray. That's why he don't want us coming during the day to pray. That's why he don't want us to get a hold of what God's doing in this hour because hell hates prayer. Well, isn't God good? Now the next is repentant prayer. Everybody say repentant prayer. Oh, God, help me get through this. I'm not going to be here next week to finish it, but I could the next. In fact, Brother Carl will be teaching, preaching next Wednesday night. Be sure to come out here. You know, we need to repent every day. Amen. That's in our relationship prayer. But then there comes a time for repentant prayer. It's when we need to get some things right. Remember the old term I prayed through today? Every now and then, folks, we need to pray through. We need to get some junk out of our life. We need to get some victories in our life. We need to truly repent. And so David had fell into sin with Bathsheba. Then he committed murder. All these things happened. And he's the king of Israel. But finally when things all come to surface and David got his heart right, he began to repent. He said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me, O God, from my sin. For I acknowledge, I confess, I admit my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. It can't be removed without thee. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I will shape an iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Watch this in verse 7. He said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. I hear the cries of a repentant man that says, oh God, I've messed up. I, I, I messed up big and I want to get it right I'm not just going to say forgive me and just hope that you do I hope I do better no 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 I got to get down to business with God and that's why we got to have repentant prayers and pray through this junk that's trying to take us to a devil's hell I need repentant prayers in my life hello the next prayer is this, and I heard it years ago, and it's good to pray it. It is Jabez's prayer, the prayer of Jabez. There's a book written about that, and everybody got on board. And I'm not against it. We need to pray, but we need the other balance in our life. Second Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, and that thy hand 
might be with me. And thou, thou wouldest keep me from evil. That it might be that it might not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Why? He could have said, just bless me, but he didn't stop there. He said, God, keep me from evil. He covered the most important because the greatest blessings that we're ever going to have is God help us to stay away from evil, to stay away from sin, to live a life of victory. Amen. But we ought to pray this prayer of Jabez. And we need to pray, God, increase my territory. Help us with our faith. This is not about monetary only. It's not about material wealth. It's about, God, help me grow in the Spirit. Help us grow in ministry. Help us grow our territories of effectiveness. I can't believe it's just a physical, possessional uh, 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 blessing that he, he was retaining, that he was referring to. But I have to believe. He was saying, God, I want to grow. Praise God. The next, we're almost there, a prayer of consecration. We'll cover this Sunday night in digging the wells. Those wells I didn't get to last Sunday night. Sunday night before last. Joshua 3 and 5 says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said, You know what? God's got great plans. He's brought us here and he's wanting to carry us into places we've never seen, experienced things we've never never been a part of. And he's wanting to do great things among us. He said, but we got to consecrate first. We got to set ourselves apart. And we got to sanctify ourselves. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I need to pray that prayer. God, help us devote our heart. Help us to be serious about what we're doing. Help us give our all to you. Let you know that our bodies be a living sacrifice, holy unto God, acceptable to the Lord. Amen. Come on. I'm talking about a consecration. This is where we talk about our genuine walk with God, our true dedication to God, our hunger for Him, that we dedicate our life, our conversations, our finances, our time, and our energy, but above all, our lives. Oh, praise God. I don't know about you, but I need to pray for that. Come on, if we don't pray for it, we're going to have a hard time achieving it. But if we pray for it, praise God, on a regular basis, God's going to help us because that's what He wants and wills for our life. And then next is a prayer of unity. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, endeavoring, endeavoring, working hard, making it a priority to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We need to pray for unity every day in our church. Hello? Unity. Get along. And we do. But that's not just what unity is. Unity is that we're on board with where God's taking us. Hello? You don't know what real unity is? Yes, we're on board with what God's doing. We're going to follow God. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't think it's right to begin with, we're going to get on board because this is where God... What got Israel in trouble is they were not unified with Moses. They were not unified with what God was leading Moses to do. Hello? When Moses was so upset because the people weren't following his guidance, and they were rebelling and giving him trouble, and the Lord said, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. Because everything Moses was doing, he was hearing from God. His motive was to follow God and to take the people where God was telling them to take them. And that's what unity is. We trust the system that God has set up. No man is perfect. We have all, all got flaws. We can make mistakes, but that's why we need to pray. But God's got a system set in order that we follow His order. And that is what unity is. And we're not in unity. We're the ones that's going to suffer. Oh, praise God. Now, just two more. Oh, I'm racing with time. But Arthur, I know you're real good with all that. Can you back that clock up a minute? <laughs> I'm just playing. Give me a, somebody let the sun stand still. Everybody say, prayer of transformation. I need some transformation sometime in my life. I need to help. I need God to help me change. Attitudes, natures, 
weaknesses. Amen. I need him to transform. You know, when I got the Holy Ghost, he transformed me. But he's not through. That's why we sang the song, he's still working on me. Is God still working on us? If we'll let him. That's what Jeremiah 18 teaches about the principle of the potter. And he told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and let me show you something. He gets down there and the potter's just having his way with the clay. He, when it messed up, he just made it again another. That's what seemed good to the potter. And the Lord said, cannot I do with you? Can you hear that? The love of God, the desire of God to make us what he wants us to be. Can't you hear his voice and his love coming through that? Cannot I do with you as a potter? And God is saying, here's an analogy and here's an example. That clay is in total surrender to the potter. And that potter's got his free range. And he's making it what he's designed, the mastermind. Isn't that what we are to God? And isn't that what he is to us? We are the clay and the hands of the potter. And what God said, if you'll just give me liberty, if you'll just let me form you and shape you and make you, I got something good intended. I'm going to make you what I want you to be and use you in the way. That's what the scripture's teaching us about transformation. Can you imagine the transformation from clay, just clay, to this beautiful vessel setting being used, whether it's a pitcher, a platter? cup, a bowl, there's a usage, there's a purpose of it as far as to be used. But when it looked like clay, it didn't look like a whole lot, did it? It didn't look like it had a lot of potential. But when you put that in the hands of a potter, he can look at you, man, that looks good. That's what God's wanting to do in our lives. He wants to shape us and transition us from mere clay to a beautiful vessel that he wants to use for his good will. Oh, hallelujah. Again, I'm going to repeat the scripture in verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Or rather, I'll do that in a moment. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. This is the prayer of David in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. David saying, God, I need you to transform me. So I want you to search me. God, I want you to know my heart. Know me for what I really am, for who I am. And God, try me. Put me through some tests. Put me through some trials and try me. Make sure what I'm doing is genuine because I'm not playing games. He said, God, know my thoughts. And God, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way. What he's saying, God, I want you to keep me transformed. Keep transforming my life. Keep helping us grow into what you want us to be. In Psalm 51 and 10, again, I say it, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within a, with a right spirit within me. That's part of our transformation. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. <laughs> oh, God, help us be transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our mind that you may prove or live out what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That word prove means to live out. Give evidence of it. And so God don't want us to be conformed to this world. But he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the way we think, the things we desire, the things we pursue, the way we live. Oh, hallelujah, that we may prove or live out his will. Everybody say, his will. Don't you want his will in your life? That's where real peace and joy is. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, there's nothing more miserable being out of the will of God. And there's nothing more peaceful and full of joy than being in the center of God's will. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. And last but not least, we're going to survive this, folks. We're going to make it. Prayer for church family. Now, I want to emphasize this was something that was, when I was praying this morning, this became my prayer. And I thought that would make a good element to include our prayer. Not always do we think of that. I haven't always thought of that. I pray it in general, but pray for our families. Let's start with our children. God, anoint their minds. 
God, direct their paths. Help them be sensitive to your spirit. Help them to have a heart that wants to pursue God. God, protect them from the wrong influences and from the evils of this world. Protect them from the spirits of this world that want to vacuum them into the cesspool of this world. God, give them good teachers. God, anoint their parents, oh God of heaven. And we pray over our children. They're precious. They're in that most vulnerable time of life but they're in that most impressionable time of life that they'll ever live. And we got to cover them in prayer. Pray for our young people. They're battling more spirits than we ever imagined when we were young people. They're having to face things we never had to face. We can't let them out there on their own. We can't let it be just the parents trying to do their best, and they are. But we've got to partner with them in prayer and say, God, protect our young people. God, give them a heart to serve God. God, help them to stay and recognize the works of the adversary. Let them grow and be sensitive. They're learning uh, how to be an adult. They're learning how to be independent. And, God, they're going to make mistakes, but let them have strong convictions toward you. Let them learn from those mistakes and not to follow into that. Let them understand the Word of God. Give them a heart for the Word of God. Give them a love for church. Give them a love for worship. Give them a love for truth. I won't say this out there to them, but statistically in religion, thankfully we've not experienced that here, but we put a lot of emphasis on our youth and we strive hard to cover this stuff and provide them with the necessary things that they need. That's why we have a youth pastor on staff because we see the importance of it. But statistically it says that 85% of youth will get out of church time they turn 18. I know that's a real statistic, but I also know that prayer can make a difference. We can't be everywhere they're at. We can't convince them of everything they need to do, but we can cover them in prayer. Like my mama prayed for me, we can pray for these young people, and we better pray for them. I'm hurrying. Y'all give me five more minutes, maybe 10, maybe 15. Um, we need to pray for our young marrieds. Folks, they need our prayers. They're trying to raise children. They're wanting to be good parents. They're, 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 they're getting the cross, caught in the crossfire many times. And, and they're loaded down with jobs and debts and activities and trying to balance out what's right for their children. But they gotta, we need to pray for these young mares to have a heart that I'm going to be the influence. Uh, I, I've seen too many. Hear me tonight. Not being negative. I've seen too many young couples that just get distracted and not really sell out to God. And they did that the entire time they were raising their children. They were hit and miss in church or not praying like they should. And then when their children got older, they, they matured and they realized. And so they start drawing back to God. But they have raised their children in an era of time that they were not dedicated or consecrated and now their children don't get what they get. They don't understand what they're trying to tell them and so they, they miss out on it. We've got just a parent has got just a short window of time to live for God in front of their children to influence them, to pray over them, to teach them to pray, to teach them the importance of God and we got to help those young married couples. How many of you did it? Oh, just right. No, we made mistakes. We had a lot of pressure. Let me go on. And then we need to pray for our singles. We need to pray for single parents. We need to pay, pray for the widows and the widowers. And we need to pray for those who have gone through divorces. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of struggles. The devil is an opportunist. He's going to attack anywhere and everywhere he can. Beat down, bitterness, anxiety, depression, wrong kind of relationships to bring into their lives. I've seen it too many times. But we can come along beside them and we can pray for these that God will help them to be sensitive, help them to make sure, help them to stay close to God, anoint their minds, surround them with the right people that will lift them up and encourage them. I don't want to leave out the middle age, but you've got to kind of got your act together. No, we all need prayer. Amen. 
lift up. But what about our elders? They're getting to those golden years where they may feel like they're not as effective and as important or valued the way they once were. They're entering into that zone where health problems are starting to occur and financial hardships and loneliness and loss of loved ones. We need to lift them up in prayer. And then we need to pray for our ministers of our church. The devil's going to attack them and their wives and their families. And we need to lift them up for God to give them strength and encouragement. And God to give them peace and to guard their lives, to guard their walk with God, to guard their ministry. But they need our prayers. And then finally, we need to pray for the leaders of our church that God will enhance them, that God will, that they will pray, that they will prepare, that they will pray over their, whoever they're ministering, whoever they're leading. They need our prayers. Let's stand together. I know I've gone fast and I've covered a lot of territory in about 48 minutes or 50 minutes of how long it's been. It's 8.02. I don't know what time I got it. If I've gone fast, I apologize. I'm just trying to cover it. But right here, right here in your hand. But we must, I encourage you, don't set this. I find them on the seat sometimes. I go, oh, God, that's a tool that could have really helped them if they just took it home and applied it. And I want to encourage you. And again, no matter what tools we have, if we don't pray, none of them are going to help us. But if we see the importance and the value of prayer, we want to expand our prayer. Here's tools that can assist us. Just what I've covered tonight. And this is not everything. There's even further things. But this is something good to add to expand our prayer life. My wife and I were talking this morning, and, or maybe it was this afternoon after I come back in. And she said, you know, and her and her husband pastored for years and she was raised in a pastor's home, so she's seen a lot. She said, there's just a lot of people that just don't know how to pray. And they're just repetitions. They, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Praise God. And there's never a communicatable message. And that's what we need to learn. It's not the oh gods and the bless me and the hallelujahs and the glory to gods that's going to help. Now, there's a time for worship in that relationship where we're doing that and we're just loving God and we're worshiping God, but that can't be the extent of it. But there's got to be communicatable, asking, seeking, petitioning, interceding. Those are words being sent toward God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I pray this has helped tonight.